the housing market is depressed. But the good news is that things are starting to look up. We are seeing improvement pretty much across the board, across all regions. I can't help myself. I'm addicted to a life of Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. And I'm David Kestenbaum. Today is Tuesday, March 20th. That was Patrick Newport. He's a housing analyst with IHS Global Insight. You heard him at the top. Today on the show, we meet a home buyer in Florida who may represent a turning point in this long, ugly housing decline. She is 14 years old, and the house she bought cost $12,000. We are going to meet her right after the Planet Money Indicator with Jacob Goldstein. Hello, Jacob. Say hello. Hey, guys. Thank you. Can I get to it now? Yeah, let's do it. Today's Planet Money Indicator is 35. Housing starts in February were 35% higher than they were a year ago. That's according to figures the government put out today. And in simple terms, this means that construction crews broke ground on a lot more new homes and new apartment buildings last month than they did a year ago. Okay, so 35% higher than last year is a really big jump. But last year, things were... Horrible. horrible. So, so does that mean that we are actually back to normal now? <laughs> We're nowhere near normal. We're just still in horrible it's territory. Like, yeah, I mean, because it's like horrible plus 35% is still essentially horrible. I mean, if you look at the rate of new home construction in February, it's still crazy low. And not just crazy low compared to the bubble, which was obviously crazy in its own right, but crazy compared to the past several decades of home construction. And this issue, the rate of new home construction, it goes back to this supply-demand thing with housing that I keep talking about in all these housing indicators, which is basically... After the housing bubble burst, there was this glut of houses, too many houses on the market, too few buyers, and construction of new homes and apartment buildings, it basically stopped. They were like, too many houses, hit the brakes, no more new houses. And in the past few months, we've seen that glut largely disappear. The the balance of supply and demand, it's getting basically back to normal. And also over the past few months, housing starts, you know, new construction on homes and apartment buildings, that has started to pick up again. So still very low, very, very low in absolute terms, but maybe creeping back toward normal. Okay. Thank you, Jacob. Thanks. On to the podcast. So the housing collapse in our country that started six years ago, it is still going on nationally. Home prices have been going down and down and down. Foreclosures are going up. Millions of people are still underwater on their mortgages. So today's podcast, we're going to meet Willow Tufano. She is 14 years old now. She was eight when the housing bubble popped. So this is basically the only reality she's ever known. And she lives in Florida, which was one of the hardest hit places. We're going to start the podcast today by playing the piece, Hannah, that you did about her for All Things Considered. Let's meet her. Willow has long, floppy bangs that hang at an angle and basically cover the top third of her face. So looking at her head-on, you see nose and braces. On her T-shirt, a life-size Lady Gaga face that's 100% visible. Willow loves animals, as any self-respecting 14-year-old girl seems to. Her favorite are ferrets. Now, this is not how Willow would describe herself to you. She introduces herself by listing her worldly possessions. She's really into things right now. I am Willow Tofano. I am 14, and I own a MacBook Air, a paddleboard, a longboard, a PlayStation 3, four ferrets, and I own a house. The story of how Willow came to own her own house is a parable of American real estate. 
But before the house, just a minute on what it means to be a 14-year-old in Florida right now. Back in 2005, when some home prices in Florida nearly doubled one month to the next, Willow Tufano was seven years old. She hardly remembers that time. Her family moved into a big house. Her mom became a real estate agent. She kind of has a faint memory of playing soccer with other kids in the neighborhood back then. But as Willow moved from childhood to adolescence, from soccer to skateboarding, the neighborhood emptied out. Everyone is getting foreclosed on. Well, I think there might be someone in that two-story house. Like, I saw a kid that looked my age. I don't know. One nice thing about an empty block, it's actually good for skateboarding. Willow has about a dozen completely empty driveways to choose from. That's the biggest hill here, the driveway (laughs) in Florida. So here is how Willow got set on the path to homeownership. After the housing collapse, her mom, Shannon, started working in foreclosures. She started helping investors bid on cheap, bank-owned homes. And about a year ago, one of Shannon's investors bought a house across town on Derrick Street. And Willow went along with her mom to go check out the house. When I walked in there, um, it was filled with all kinds of stuff. There was furniture, there was lamps, lots of different stools, just a lot of it was, like, tropical, like, Tommy Bahama-looking stuff, and there, there was stuff everywhere. I was like, Mom, what is he going to do with all this stuff? And my mom was like, well, he's probably just going to throw it out, get rid of it, throw it at the curb. And I was like, well, I can sell this stuff if he'd want to let me have it. The investor did want to let her have the stuff, gladly. He just wanted to flip the place. Willow sold everything from the house on Derrick Street and the next house and then the next. Yeah, profit. (laughs) Profit, she says, braces gleaming. Willow does not have friends, really. I mean, she lives in an empty neighborhood. She spends her time in abandoned houses. Willow has Craigslist. She texts with buyers and sellers obsessively. She has this flashlight app on her phone just in case she needs to examine furniture that's been discarded on the curb in the dark. She knows how to push product, and she specializes in the ruins of a national housing collapse. Like microwaves, I'll price them really low, like maybe 20 bucks, because everyone wants stainless steel, so I have to price things cheap. Um, What I sell probably best is maybe like a stove, maybe $100, or a white top-bottom refrigerator. I know dishwashers do not sell well at all. You can only get like $10, 5 $10 for those. She says she averages about $500 profit a month. About six months after I started doing all the Craigslist thing, I was like, what should I do with all this money? The question sat around for a while until Willow's mom, Shannon Moore, saw a house on auction for $12,000. It was in a decent neighborhood, and Shannon thought she'd recommend it to one of her clients. I was telling my husband about the house, and you came up to me and said, hey, I got an idea. Yeah, I I just had, like, this thing. I was like, what if I bought a house? That'd be crazy. And then I'd be able to make money every month. I'd get rent. I'd get—I wouldn't have to worry. I wouldn't have to—not that I have to worry now, but, I mean, that'd be really cool. We are at my house, Holdern, and it is— 21440 Holdern. That's your mailbox? Yes. <laughs> Willow and her mom split the house on Holdern. They each put in $6,000, and the idea is Willow will buy out her mom over the next few years, maybe by the time she's 18, and she can formally put her name on the papers. This $12,000 house was worth about $100,000 during the boom. 
So as you can imagine, the last owners did not take the loss happily. When we walked in, it was there's like glass everywhere. There's a dirty couch tipped over. There was broken baby crib. There was a dirty old mattress. Nothing was worth anything. It's like there was a riot or something. They cleaned it up, and now a very nice, very young couple with a baby are moving in. John and Kelsey Smith. They're renting the place for seven hundred bucks a month, and they are just now meeting their landlord. My keys for the house. I didn't know my landlord was younger than us. Kelsey asks if they can hang pictures on the wall, even though the lease says they can't. Sure. Then John mentions that they don't have a bed yet, and Willow perks up at this. I could help you get one cheap. Okay, do you want, you want like, a frame and headboard? Or... She'd like it. Do you um, want, like, the box spring and mattress? When Willow put in an offer for the house in December, home prices across the country hit a new post-bubble low. $12,000 really is incredibly cheap for what is a nice place. Concrete, block home, two bedrooms, a yard. I kept feeling like this is it when a 14-year-old kid can buy a house. That's got to be a sign of the bottom, right? I kept saying to Willow, maybe you're our signal that the market is turning. And she'd sort of vaguely nod. I just, that was just what I wanted to do. I wanted to get a house. I wanted to rent it out. I wanted, I wanted a house. Hannah, so we're back in the studio now. You know, when I was listening to this story, I kept wondering if years from now, some history book will say the housing market arguably hit bottom in 2012 when a 14-year-old in Florida bought a house for $12,000. And then they refer footnote to your story. You know what she just said at the end there? Like, I just wanted a house. That's perfect. I mean, whoever represents the bottom, whoever bought that last house that afterward houses on average start selling for more, that person... They never know they're the bottom. They're just doing their little part in the market. They saw something they wanted, the price felt right, and they bought it. You mean you mean like when they look at a chart of housing prices 10 years from now, there's going to be this point on the chart where the line sort of goes down, 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 and then hits its lowest point and turns up and like maybe Willow is that dot. She's, yeah, she's like underneath that dot. <laughs> it's, a, it's the same thing at the peak of the housing bubble, right? Who is the peak of the housing bubble? Some bartender in Las Vegas who excitedly was pouring someone a beer and said, hey, I own seven houses now. You never know you're the person at the top of the bottom, but it is somebody. And maybe Willow is a sign of something. Maybe she's a sign of the bottom. So, David, I actually, when I came back from Florida, I kept thinking about this question of like, are we in the, the general area of the bottom? And The way that it actually feels to be at that point, like to be under that dot on the graph, is really strange. Like you actually get a sense being there of what it feels like to be in that general area where home prices are bottoming out on the one block where where Willow lives in her neighborhood in the house with her parents, not the house that she bought, that place where she skateboards up and down these empty driveways. A lot of those empty houses are actually starting to sell. It's starting to turn. But those houses are selling for really cheap. Willow's parents, back in 2005, at the height of the boom, they bought their house for $230,000. And today, the house next door to them, basically an identical house, is selling for $76,500. So less than half what they spent. So for her family, that's no fun, right? No, it's horrible. So Willow's mom, Shannon, actually told me that whenever she sees the new neighbors just, you know, coming in and out of their house, it's like a slap in the face. Just by their very presence, they are saying to her, you are a sucker. Willow's mom is way underwater on her home. She owes much more than it's actually worth. So even when the new neighbors who bought their house for less than half what she paid, even when they're being nice, Shannon kind of wishes they weren't there. We met these people at Christmas time, kind of. They came to our house. They had, like, 
Their whole yard was like this Christmas scene, and they blared Christmas music to like 10 o'clock at night all day. And it was like, are you serious? Yeah, it was kind of crazy. So we're like, um, they were like, they they came up to the door and they were like, do you want to come by? Our dad is being Santa Claus. Do you want your daughter to come by? David, I have to say one of the interesting things about this is, like, most neighborhoods in America are pretty homogenous. And Willow's neighborhood, it was like that. It's been like that since the beginning. There were basically all these identical homes bought for nearly identical prices, built in 2005, and bought by people who all got along with each other basically because they were all very similar. But when you have a major housing collapse things change. Now you have two totally different groups of people. You have the before people and you have the after people. And all the before people can talk about is how they don't like that the neighborhood seems to be changing. You know those one kids um, that live on the end, the little, um, yeah, like they throw garbage all over and it blows all over on that road. And then there's our neighbor just got their bike stolen and they think that it was those people that moved in. So it seems like the people that are moving in don't take care of their property and don't have the same kind of, you know, ethics or values that that we do. When I was in Florida, it didn't actually occur to me to go knock on the neighbor's door and just get their side of the story from the other side of the fence. I was so focused on Willow and her house. But I got curious, like, what the neighborhood looks like to them. So when I got back to New York, I was thinking about the before people and the after people all on one block. And I looked up the property record for the Santa Claus house, Shannon and Willow's neighbors, and it was sold to Daryl and Catherine Fayers. And Daryl, it turns out, is an incredibly nice guy who I called out of the blue and then made him suffer through my technical problems trying to record our conversation. But he kept apologizing to me. I'm sorry about this. <laughs> so you hear that Canadian in there? Daryl is not from Florida. He doesn't live in Florida. He is Canadian. He lives thousands of miles away in Ontario. And he and his wife bought the house on Mistletoe Lane for retirement. He says they've been dreaming about a vacation home in Florida for 35 years. And last year, they decided they'd take the plunge and they were going to buy a trailer to vacation in. But he talks to this one real estate agent who asked them, trailer, why not buy a house? It's certainly a sad situation when a trailer is uh, valuable or more valuable than the price of a home in that area. Really? It's like, would have been more expensive for you guys to buy a trailer than to buy that house? You could have bought a trailer. There's trailers listed in Northport that are worth more than the houses are. So the Fairs bought a house. They bought a three-bedroom house right next door to Willow's family. And they're thinking that they're going to move from Ontario and retire there in a year. But in the meantime, they are renting. Daryl wasn't comfortable with me getting in touch with his renters. He just told me the dad who was living there was a contractor who lost his job and his house when the economy tanked. The American family that has uh, rented renting of our home lost their home. So they were in need of a home. So we're grateful and they're, I assume, quite grateful they have a house to live in. This is what a post-bubble neighborhood can look like. You got a 14-year-old landlord. Whose parents are deeply underwater on their own home. Meanwhile, the neighbors who wanted to buy a trailer, they end up getting a dream home for less. Willow Tufano, by the way, is thinking of buying another house. Yeah, I'm 
since that story aired on All Things Considered, Willow Tofano has been all over the place on Ellen and what else has she been on? ABC, CNN. They've all been calling her. We'll try and put some links up on the blog. That's npr.org slash money. As always, let us know what you think. Send us email, planetmoney at npr.org. I'm David Kestenbaum. And I'm Fun and Jeffy Walt. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.